Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Big Honker Podcast. We appreciate everybody for downloading. Uh, it has been a great couple of months here, and First Family of Waterfowl was fantastic on YouTube. If you hadn't watched that yet, it's on our YouTube channel, the Big Honker Podcast. Go check it out now, and make sure that you get subscribed. This podcast is brought to you by none other than Shin Gear. They are they started as a waiter company. They are no longer a waiter company. They are a full blown. Uh, whatever you Apparel. need for a waterfowl. They got bibs, jackets. They've got all sorts of good stuff. Uh, Vest, caps, hats, t-shirts. Hoodies. My favorite is the bibs. I torture tested them all last season, and they stood up to everything that I threw in front of them. So. I just threw them out of my luggage. Can't wait to wear them all week, and that's at shingear.com. We're also brought to you by Dirty Duck Coffee. I start my morning every single day with Dirty Duck Coffee, the Missouri Boat Ride Blend. It is the way to go. And if you're looking for a little afternoon pick-me-up, they now have a cold brew out. It is the King Eider cold brew, and that is how I spend my 3.30. So I am fully caffeinated, Dirty Duck Coffee, every single day. They've also got good-looking swag. You can go to their website, dirtyduckcoffee.com. You can get coffee shipped straight to your door or whatever merchandise you get. So go check them out. Also, we're brought to you by the boys up in Missouri, the Looking Glass Podcast. Head over to Patreon, and while you're at Patreon, you can look up the Big Honker Podcast because we have uh, three things a week that we release. But anyway, back to the the Looking Glass guys. Patreon, subscribe to their account, and you can take part in everything that they got going on. They are hilarious guys. Logan and Rebel are some of the funniest guys that we have out here all season long, so they can keep you entertained for hours and hours. Uh, we're also brought to you by Lucky Duck. Best spinners on the market, best uh, blinds on the market, whatever you need. If you're a waterfowl hunter, they got something for you. We just put our order in with Lucky Duck. Getting some spinners headed this way. Some blinds, a little bit of flappers, maybe even a rotary. You never know. Lucky Duck has got a bunch of brand new products out there, and they are going to uh, help you be more effective out in the field. So if you're duck or goose hunting and you need some sort of gadget, Go to LuckyDuck.com, get some stuff headed to you. Uh, also, we're brought to you by Ducks Unlimited. If you are a duck hunter, you should thank Ducks Unlimited because they are putting ducks back into the sky, uh, putting your hard-earned money at work. Uh, 80 cents out of every dollar that Ducks Unlimited raise, raises goes right back into conservation. So you can rest assured that your money is not being wasted. So help wherever you can. Ducks Unlimited. Com. Also, we're brought to you by Dive Bomb Industry. It is time for you to get skinny. Uh, duh, silhouettes, the way to go. They're quick, effective. They keep your trailer nice and neat all season long. You don't have to worry about the clutter of full bodies anymore. So silhouettes are what we use every single day out here. If you are a spec hunter, Canada hunter, they got all sorts of species. They've also got floaters out. So whatever you need. Die bomb can help you out. If you're that guy that's hunting a river bar, a sandbar on a river or something, and you're having to take two or three trips back and forth in the truck, get you a five dozen silhouettes, carry them in there. The, the results are going to be as good or better than what you're doing, and it's going to be a lot less work on you. Best way to go there. Diebombindustries.com. We're also brought to you by the by the boys up at Pacific Calls. PacificCustomCalls.com is how you can see what all they got going on. The B uh, the BA Lester call is my favorite Lester call. They have two new calls out. The BBS, it's a big bore speckle belly call, and they got the BBG, a big bore goose call. 
they're both great. They run ph phenomenal. So if you are a speckle belly hunter and you're looking for a new spec call, uh, you can either go with the 530, which I run, or you can go the BBS. Either way, you're not going to be disappointed. Uh, and my favorite duck call is still the PCD. So it's got my stamp of approval on it. PacificCustomCalls.com is how you get a hold of them. Also, we're brought to you by Boss Shot Shells. It is time. Uh, the War Chief is out there now. It is a buffered shotgun shell, and it is going to add 10 yards to your range. So whatever results you see at 30, you will now see at 40. The War Chief is the real deal. We have shot it. Knocks the piss out of them. So if you're a guy that needs a little bit extra range, the War Chief is the way to go. They still make a legacy product. The, the original stuff that they've been making for the last five years are still producing that stuff. So... Uh, if you're happy with that, keep ordering that. But once you shoot boss, you're never going to shoot nothing else. There's no reason to one shot and it's dead. It takes one, 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 it only takes one. You don't have to finish them up. You don't have to shoot cripples on the water. You don't have to worry about chasing a bird down three miles away. Shoot boss. Two and three quarter inch, three, five blend. That's the way to go right there. Uh, we're also brought to you by MLR graphics out of Breckenridge, Texas. Michael is a great guy, good Christian man. And he makes all of our shirts out here. You can custom order anything. You can do it online. They can sell stuff. They got all the big brand names. They can custom do it for Christmas is coming. If you want uh, custom work done for Christmas, look them up, mlrgraphics.com, mlrgraphics on Instagram, and they're out of Breckenridge, Texas. Next, we're brought to you by Mossberg. The 940 waterfowl gun is what we shot all last season. It held up seven days a week. Rain, mud, sand, whatever we threw at in West Texas, the waterfowl 940, it held up, so... Uh, don't be sleeping on the Mossbergs. You see one in the gun case, take it for a test drive. You're going to like it. Mossberg.com. Uh, also, we're brought to you by Double T British Kennels. Mr. Corey has just had a litter of puppies. So now is the time. Uh, had a couple extra puppies that he wasn't expecting. So now's the time. If you were wanting a nice British lab, contact Corey, uh, BritLabs.com and send him an email and he can tell you what we got to do. He stood up. And, and stood up for those great uh, those kids on that Gold Star hunt, donated two different puppies to us. Folks, man's a, a, as good a guy as you're going to meet, good as gold. The man is as good as gold. He raises great dogs. He does a great job training. Check him out, please. I highly recommend Corey Dudekin at Double T British Kennels. Next, we're brought to you by Hemp Hill Farms. Listen, getting older, is it's, it's rough. You get allergies, different things start to hurt and ache. Hemp Hill Farm can help you with all-natural CBD products, they have a nice salve that you can uh, rub onto whatever is aching. They've also got stuff in roll-ons. They got gummies. Uh, help, help with the ouchies. Go to hemphillfarm.com, farm with a PH, and uh, they will ship anywhere. So don't uh, don't don't be afraid to check them out. You know, listen. Getting older sucks. You start aching. Sure helps to sleep. Two gummies every night make you sleep like a baby. There you go. Hemphillfarm.com. Next, we're brought to you by Alpha Outdoor Specialties, maker of the Stanfield Stool and the brand new Blind Caddy. I'm going to run that Blind Caddy all season long. You thought my, tra my trailer was organized. Wait until you see the blind with the Blind Caddy. Alpha Outdoor Specialties, if you've got an idea, they are a fabri fabrication company. They can mock up whatever idea you got. They made the Stanfield Stools, and they're going to save backs of waterfowl hunters and A-frames all season long. So check them out, Alpha Outdoor Specialties. Last but not least, we're brought to you by Stanford Hunting Outfitters. Jeff, what dates we got left? I've got a few dates left in December. I don't have exact dates. I got December uh, 27, 28, 29, and 30. I can do a group. 
Uh, I've got a few weekdays here and there. I've got a couple of days still set aside for small groups of people. So if you've got one or two and you're wanting to hunt father or son hunts the week before Christmas, the week after, holler back at me, 940-658-3172 or stanfieldhunting.com. Thank you. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time of year. Into the Vault is about to launch next week. And we have uh, Mr. David Schusler back on with us from Ducks Unlimited. And we talk a little bit about some of the items that uh, are going to go up for for auction here in another couple of days. Hint, hint for all you wives out there. A lot of cool stuff in here. A lot of good Christmas presents in this. David's a really, really cool guy. We appreciate everything him and Ducks Unlimited have done for this podcast. And there's a little sweet, uh, little little gift for you in here. You can get an early look at uh, at some of the items that are going to be uh, in in this this year's Into the Vault by going to the website BigHonkerITV.com, BigHonkerIntoTheVaultITV.com, and uh, you can get an early look at some of the stuff that they've got for auction in here. Bidding will start on Monday, but you can still you know get an idea or cruise around the website a little bit. Cool guy, cool episode. Thank you for everything that Ducks Unlimited has done. This year's going to be the best ever. So head over right now. Start looking uh, Start looking at Christmas presents. Here he is, David Schusler. Welcome to the Big Honker Podcast, brought to you by Ducks Unlimited. I'm Jeff Stanfield with the world-famous Andy Shaver. That's me. World-famous. Mm. Killing machine. <laughs> Whatever. You need some wind, don't you? I need wind. I need cold weather. I need three of me. We're going to have some wind tomorrow. We'll see. It's supposed to be five to ten. Good. Not, not much good, wind for West good, Texas. Perfect. Five to ten means three miles an hour. Perfect. If it's time to go fishing or golfing, five to ten means 25. It has been perfect Fishing, golfing, turkey hunting weather. Yep. And the hunting has been very good. We've been very blessed. We can say what we want. We've had a great first 12 days. Yep. Gr- great 12 days. If our worst day of the last 12 days is the worst day at the end of the year, it's been a great year. That's w- not going to happen. With us today from Memphis, Tennessee, the home of the blues, and place that says they've got the best ribs in the world, and that's pretty debatable, Mr. David Schuster. How are you doing, David? I'm doing well. That's That's debatable. There's good ribs out there. I'm not saying that. But it is the blues and the birthplace of rock and roll. Yep. Home of Elvis Presley, the king, the true king. George Strait's the second king. Elvis Presley is the king. Do you recommend what? I've had the ribs in Memphis at a couple places. I've had ribs in Kansas City. I've had ribs in a ghetto in Texas. I really cannot tell the difference between a great rib and a good rib. They all. So I think it's pretty. When someone says they got the best ribs in the world, I don't, I don't see how they're much different than anywhere else. I, well, I think when you're eating barbecue, you have to get into a mindset, because I've lived in North Carolina where the, they will literally 
knife fight you over what barbecue is mm -hmm. best. I've lived in Texas. I've lived in Memphis. And to me, they're all a little bit different. But and you just get in that mind set because a true Memphis rib is a dry rib with no barbecue sauce on it. And, and we can sit here and, you know, is it rendezvous? Is it commissary? Is it interstate? But they're all, you know, you've got to eat all their dry ribs and then you can make your decision. I find it very hard to compare one region's barbecue against another region's. It's different. Is food. the rendezvous, is that downtown by the Peabody? It I've, is. I've, and it's down in the basement, right? Yeah, I had it. I was not a big, I'm not a dry rub. I'm not a dry rib guy. I like it wet and sloppy. So, uh, and I, I think you can get them there that way. They're just going to cuss you when you, <laughs> yeah, order I didn't want to go through that. I think if you go place like that, you need to e e order it and eat it the way it is. It's like Andy. Andy goes to freaking Philadelphia and orders a Philly cheesesteak without any cheese. No, I don't I know what the I hell. I didn't do it on purpose. I was scared. <laughs> but who the hell orders a Philly cheesesteak with no me. cheese? I walked to the truck and they said, what do you want? And I was like, oh, that's not how I get greeted in Texas. So I froze. Told him, give me a, a, a Philly cheesesteak. I didn't I just, figure cheese is in the name. I didn't figure I had to tell them to put it on there. Apparently yeah. you do with whiz. And, and there, like in there, is it, is it white American? <laughs> is it cheese whiz? Uh, is it melted? Cheese whiz. It, it, you're supposed to do with cheese whiz, and with? I didn't do that. I got meat and veg, meat and onions and uh, bell peppers, basically. It's terrible. Mine was excellent, but I ordered with whiz because I wasn't going to do like Andy, and I'm not shy, and I'm not worried about holding the line up and say, whoa, 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 hold on. This is the way I want it. So I told the lady, I said, listen, I want a Philly cheesesteak with lots of cheese, and I want the whole thing on it. And she said, well, yes, sir. That's the way we do it here. I was 23. I was newly married. I'm in a town I've never been to. Newly I've got, married. I've, I've got my new <laughs> wife looking at me. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be the guy that, you know, doesn't know what he's ordering. I'm gonna go up there and do it with confidence. So when they said, What do you want? It kind of put me on my heels. And I'm like, Well, I'm just gonna I'll just tell them what I want. I'm not gonna ask any questions here. Can you remember where you got it from? Was it from yeah. one of the famous places? I went to Geno's. Geno's was excellent. And that's right across the yes. road, right? Yes, and throw a baseball and hit each each one yeah. of them. Should have gone to Geno's. Evidently, the staff's a little bit more friendly over there. Wouldn't so, have made me look like a chump in front of my new wife. So, David, as a barbecue person, what is the best barbecue ribs you've had? Uh, there's a little place. I mean, if we're going to – and my people, my, my people down here are going to kill me for this. But if we're including beef, right mm – -hmm. Then there was a little place up north of Austin. I can't remember the name of it right now, but when I was out there looking for a house, when I moved out there working for DU, the realtor took us there. And uh, it was the first beef, beef rib I have ever eaten, and I've tried to chase it since then and have yet to what find it. What town were you in? Was it Blacks or Snows? Yeah. No, it was the one on the river up there. Uh, Goldie? Is Goldie one? I can't remember. I'm trying uh, to think of all of them. What town were you in? <clears throat> North Austin. Austin? Oh, you were actually in Austin. Now, yeah, the, the best pork rib I ever had, a guy sold out of a little shack near Miccosukee, Florida, where I grew up. 
and he only cooked so many slabs every Saturday. And when we would get uh, when we would get done hunting, we would race over there and eat them off the hood of our truck. That's the best oh, pork rib I've ever had. That's a, that's a way to eat it right there, right off the old hood. With with, with feathers, feathers and blood in your oh, fingernail, it makes it taste even better. There used to be a barbecue joint in Hobart, Oklahoma, that we would go to, which is the most expensive barbecue place I've ever been in my world. We would take me and Andy Blake and Zach would go in there, and it would cost me a hundred to hundred and fifty dollars to eat. It was terrible. Yeah. And the food was not that good, but she had the prices. She thought she was Blacks or Lockhart's is what she thought she was. But I and you know what? I don't the Texas barbecue. I've been to Blacks or Lockhart. I can't remember which one of them, and it was dry, no sauce or nothing. And I didn't the brisket. I didn't like it. But I wanted barbecue sauce with it. Was it and not on the table? One of them don't even. They don't even have sauce. Really? No. Feather in my nose or something. Andy made brisket the other night that was really good. It was overdone if you talk to some people in the crowd. Yeah, one guy. <laughs> one of our friends told Andy, I would have taken it off an hour earlier. It's on the dry side. <laughs> okay, David, let's talk about the vault. This is the best time of year at DU. I'm so excited. It is. It is. It's end of the vault for the little stay in business during COVID <laughs> national live auction has grown into – our, our largest auction every year, and the Monday before Thanksgiving every year, it opens up and runs for almost two weeks, and we have over 600 items again this year, and it just, it, every year, I think we're, ne we're not going to do it again. Like, we're never going to have these interesting items ever again, and then they get donated, or we come across them through one of our chapters and boom, we just have these magical in sales. And this one this year, and I think we're going to talk about some of them today. We have really historical items, not just Ducks Unlimited. There's a, a lot of DU stuff in there, but there's a lot of waterfowl hunting history stuff that that is in this auction that uh, for me, it's like Christmas Day when I get to start helping set the auction up and write the descriptions or when these items come in and we open a box and go, Oh my God, it's a 1959 colorized Maynard Reese King buck. And it's just, it's awesome. It's so when do y'all start getting these items in? Like when do the boxes start rolling in? We already have items for next oh, year that do. came in this oh, okay. fall. We actually have a full-time staff person. This auction is, has grown to such a size, a full-time staff person that works on it every single day she comes in and she works on this auction every day of the year. Wow. So it has grown into, that is so crazy that this was just like a Hail Mary toss. Let's just, let's see what we it can was. do here. And now here we are four years into it and it's this mega thing. Yeah. It, you know, the first year, like we were literally pulling some stuff off yeah. the walls and say, let's sell this, right? Like it's hanging on a hallway going into, <laughs> you know, a bathroom. Let's, let's sell this and make some money off of it. Then we had the idea, our chapters have things that are donated to them locally. And they know that if I, if I try to move this locally, I'm not going to make what the value of it is. So these things kind of been passed on from chairman to chairman. Well, now we offer them the opportunity to sell it on a national stage. And then they recognize those fundraising totals for the awards and the bragging rights that they're trying to, to uh, get on their you know chapter right down the road. And so that really has opened it up to being across the country 
type of sale. And, you know, you've heard that we're about to see the biggest transition of wealth in the history of the world from the, the boomers to Generation X. And we're seeing that inside of the donations that are just coming to this office from pe from older people who are downsizing their homes. They want all this stuff they've collected to go to a good cost. Just this morning, like two hours ago, we finished an appraisal on 36 federal um, duck stamp and prints that a gentleman drove from Texas, drove from Dallas to donate to Ducks Unlimited. We met with the appraiser. The appraiser actually is still looking over the prints right now. And it was a story I've heard time and time. I love these things. I bought them to hang in my office. I'm retired. We're moving out to the country. I don't have as much space. I want you to have them and go make some money for habitat conservation. That's, that's phenomenal. And that's three or four times a month right now that we're seeing. And no telling how much our chapters, the 2,000 chapters across the country, are receiving those type of vintage items. I think a lot of it's got to do with the uh, kids and grandkids don't have the same desires and likes that the grandpa did. And he's collected all this stuff that was his big passion, and his kids are not interested in it as much, and he don't want to see it get to waste, and he would rather give it to somebody that's a good cause or that will appreciate it. That certainly is part of it. What we have heard is um, people are starting out in smaller homes now oh. and just – they just don't have the space for it. And for a lot of it, collecting isn't quite what it used to be, just whether it's stamps or baseball cards or whatever. And that generation collected so much, a lot of the good stuff the kids and grandkids get, and then the rest might be donated. But what we're seeing is what's coming in that's donating is still phenomenal um, type of items. You know, uh, a week ago or so, we were talking about rock music and kind of, you know, kids listening to music and everything and uh, going into record stores a long time ago. For my for my generation, it was CDs. But I can remember, and Jeff talked about, looking through the posters. I bet kids today, none of them buy posters anymore, I bet. I don't know. No. I don't have a kid that age, but I don't see the poster uh, section because they used to have a poster section at Walmart, and I don't see that anymore. They buy them. They buy them online. Right. They don't buy them to the extent they yeah. used to. But I've got one in school and one in high school, and both of them have so they posters. They still do posters. Uh, you order it from your right. phone. Who did you have a Farrah Fawcett? Yeah. Yes, my cousin, my older cousin, had a Farrah Fawcett. Yeah. Um, and I went from going to the record store to the record store being CDs. But I'll tell you this, my two boys and I this summer, you know, Memphis has this, this area that's real um, hip and, you know, records are, you know, if you're really a audio file, you have a record player and you're listening to these remastered records. My two sons and I on a hot Sunday went to the record store in that part of Memphis. And we spent two hours <laughs> flipping <laughs> records and they'd come up to me and say i want this app yes you can have it because we were buying records to go home and play on one of their these souped up record players and to have my son walk over with a remastered diver down oh. by van Halen and tell me can you will you buy this for me you damn right i'll buy it for you 
And I'll listen to it more than you will. <laughs> what's, what's your favorite song on Diver Down? Uh, probably Little Guitars. Mine is probably... Is, is Dancing in the Street on that one? Mm, yes, because most of it was remakes. Yes. And I think I think Little Guitars was... I'm almost positive Little Guitars was on Diver Down. If not, for you Van Halen nuts out there, I apologize. It's one of my favorite songs that they do, and I do think it's on Diver Pretty Down. Woman's on there, too, aren't they? That was really good when they done a remake of Pretty Woman. My favorite Van Halen tune of all time is Drop Dead Legs. That's a good, good one. Man, they, they were such a freaking awesome band, I'm telling you right now. I see little yeah, little guitars is on there. How did you feel about how did you feel about when they turned into Van Hagar? I liked Van Halen more than I did Van Hagar, but Van Hagar was damn good too. The, Sammy was, good, Sammy was a great front man. They're the only band ever that really changed. Well, I shouldn't say that because ACDC, I think they've had 37 different singers. But I, I really was a big fan of both Van. I like Sammy Hagar and I like Van Halen with David Lee Roth. I think David Lee Roth was the greatest front man ever in my generation of rock and roll. I really do. Just a hell of a performer. But, man, I tell you what, there were some damn good albums that that uh, OU812, uh, Black and Blue was a damn good tune also by Van Halen. But let's be honest mm -hmm. with you. Eddie Van Halen was just a master of his craft. A freak yep. of nature. And and I say that yeah. in a yes. good way. Right? Like, good athletes are freaks of mm -hmm. nature. And Eddie Van Halen was a freak of nature when it went to – when it came to doing things on that guitar. I mean, he just – was different unbelievable. Level. Different level. I did not realize AC. I thought ACDC only had two. No, they had more than they've that. had five. Is I, it I five just looked it up. Angus is the only. Five? Angus three. is the only uh, continuous member throughout ACDC's career. I went to school with a girl, and she was a big girl, and I called her Angus, and she called me out on it one time, and she thought I was, I was making fun of her, but I was like, "You wear shorts like Angus Young. That's why I call you Angus all the time." Good cover. Twenty years later. On Facebook one time, she goes, "Do you remember you used to call me Angus because the ACDC?" Yeah, well, it's not the reason why, but yeah, that's that's we'll go with that. But they were that they, they were a great okay. band also. This says Axl Rose sang with them on in 2016 on the Rocker Bus World Tour. That's right. That's right. His voice, his voice is done though. He's terrible. And I'm going to tell you right now, I saw Vince Neil on TV the other day. Vince Neil needs to go to the gym as much as I do. Well, and his voice is gone, yep. too. Well, you know, at some point, at some point, you just, I, I think you have to, all right, I'm yeah, done. I think so. Not Steven Tyler. Right. No, he's he sounds better now than he did when he was young. Boy, he was an, he's an incredible singer. So I think you actually might be right, because it looks like Axel did it twice, and I think that's what they're counting. So it was Dave Evans, uh, Scott, uh, I can't read that name, Bon Scott? Bon Scott. Brian Johnson and Axel uh, Rose. I did not know. It. Yeah, so really. So, yeah, it really is three. I did not know Axel ever played with ACDC. But that was just on tour, so I don't know that you can really. I think they had to get him. I think they had to get him like in an emergency type situation. Yeah, yeah that's what it's. Yeah, replace Brian Johnson for the last two legs of the Rocker Bus World Tour due to Johnson's uh, hearing problems. 
So right, that's what it was. Yeah, he he, he that's exactly. So that's, to me, that's that kind of it. a asterisk by Axl Rose. It's really three in my mind. So you were right, right there. What a great band they really were. All right, let's get to the what 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 do we got? What's our pinnacle item this year for the vault? The Terry Redland oh, original. Oh my gosh! And I. Yeah, I've been asked this question a lot. I've done my research. I think this is only the second time that Ducks Unlimited has ever sold a Terry Redland original. Now, how did y'all get y'all's hands on a Redland original, or can you tell me that? Because I'm assuming it didn't come from Terry Redland. It did not come from Terry Redland. Um, It came from uh, somebody who owns it right now who is looking to – um, dispose of the item. And this is a situation where, um, assuming a sale happens that we will, you know, we purchase, we purchase the original and then we sell it to the buyer. And so right now it is still hanging, um, in this individual's home. When I received the phone call, I was giddy because in 1985, Terry Redland's son said, Dad, I think you need to quit selling your original artwork and we need to keep all of it. So it can be displayed one day in a, a place of prominence to, you know, remember your career. Well, they have that huge museum, the Redland Museum. Um, I don't know if that's the exact name, but that's what it is. It's where all of his originals uh, sit. And so this likely was one of the last originals that were sold to uh, a private buyer once Redland did his artist proof and ran the, I think he ran 960 prints off this one. You can still buy one of the prints on his site for, I think, $3,200. I think that was the price I saw. Which one is it? So I just sent it to you, Jeff, and I can put, I'm going to put it on air for all of the listeners, for all the viewers to see right now. It's called Winter Wonderland. Oh, I have that print. And it's it's Canada geese um, in a you know a snowy type situation. Um, the only other one I could find history of us selling was Night Flight, which was a one of our prints of the year, and we sold it at a large auction back in Chicago in '86. So right around that same time that there were no more Redland originals. So uh, it's it's really really now, rare. You said Winter really Wonderland, rare. right? Is that what you said? That's the yes. snow, and the, that's the oh. ones with the Clydesdales, and they're throwing the kids. No, I sent it to you. It's on your phone. I just texted it to you. Texted it over. I hadn't got it yet. It's this one right here. Look on my screen. Yes, okay. We've got that. That We've got one of those here at the lodge somewhere. We got a small one of it. I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah, here. it's in one of the bathrooms. Yeah, it's two Canada geese and, uh, what, four or five off off by the barns. What's the name of it? Yep, going into going into What's the, the name of it? Uh, just on this vault says Terry Redland original. Okay, yeah, because the Winter Wonderland is the one with the uh, the Clydesdales and the kids are out front throwing snowballs at each other. Maybe I got it wrong. I should know that stuff. Hold on, I'm going to look it up right now. It is called Winter Windbreak. Okay. I'm Winter sorry. Windbreak. Winter Windbreak. Winter <laughs> Wonderland is another piece that we have in it. Winter windbreak i've got assigned one of the winter wonderland ones what a what a treasure this is going to be for somebody 
All right, let me ask you a question. On the record, since we're on the record here, I'm assuming this print, someone will will pay fifty to hundred thousand dollars for it. Ooh. If I would have won the seven hundred and seventy, that's the price range. Right. That's the price that's range. Yeah, yeah, that's the price. If I would have won the seven hundred and seventy million dollars, now I'm pissed off. I didn't get the right numbers in the big lottery. I would have bought this. I would have wrote. I would have wrote DAU a check for a quarter of a million dollars for this print before it ever went online, and make them tell me no. And Why would they tell you no? They would. They would. They're putting it up for vault. And there's an there's an argument that it could be worth yep. that much. It's priceless. But I I expect it if it sells, I expect it to sell in that fifty to a hundred thousand dollar price range. You just there aren't any out there. Like Terry Redlin is not with us anymore, and he is not painting anymore, and he is arguably one of the greatest sporting artists of in history certain of certainly of our time i mean there's only five or six of them in our time that you kind of consider the the grand masters and he's not if you talk to professor goldberg at midwestern state university in 1989 when i was in art appreciation class because me and him did yeah they didn't like the sunrise he was not a big he was not a big fan of terry redlands and he was a bigger not a bit he was a smaller fan of jeff stanfield than he was terry redland he did not like terry redland and he hated jeff stanfield but we had this argument more than two times in class about a real artist who would the other artist be kind of in this in this same vein that you could put Nor- in the same breath as terry redland norman rockwell uh david moss oh, I, i'm just thinking of, yeah, of yeah, hunting art oh, david david, david moss. moss uh cowan uh, in Texas, Cowan, yes. Les Cuba. Um, David Moss, Terry Redland, Art LeMay. Les Cuba. Uh, Les Cuba, Maynard Reese, although Maynard really, a lot of a, a lot of those artists were, were a, a generation behind Maynard Reese. Um, the family from Minnesota that does uh, all the federal stamps. The Hotmans, yes. there you go. Yeah. The Hotmans, who were the Stamp yep. Kings, they're 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 up in yep. that level. Uh, really, if you look the generated generation before, you've got the Cuba, um, you've got the Maynard Greece, you've got Chet Renison, who is still alive and still painting, which I think is awesome. Uh, um, you have Grammy out of Wisconsin, uh, so it's. You know, it's a it's a small yeah. club. Um, well, off topic, but I watched the uh, Bob Ross documentary on Netflix, and that was that was a really yeah it, it was good? a really really good show. And I don't, I don't know that I think it was just maybe one episode, but uh, he would so he did all these paintings in you know thirty minutes or an hour or whatever his time slot was, and uh, the producers would tell him like he's got he's got to do the whole painting in the time slot. And they would tell him, all right, you got about, you got two minutes. And he would screw with them every single time that they would do it. And he was like, all right, now we're going to add some trees. And he would just draw a big black line right through the middle of it or off to the side. He's like, all right, we're going to add a big tree here. And every time the producer is like, all right, you got 30 seconds, you got 15 seconds. And every time he would finish it somehow. 
but he would do it intentionally just to get a rise out of the producer. He was a talented guy, but didn't they? He never made any money. Did never he? made, never made any money. No, he got uh, he got screwed by I think family, and I think he had a bad manager. But the producer would be like, "All right, you got two minutes." He's like, "All right, now it's time for our. Well, let's put one last tree in here, and just big black right through the middle of it." And they're like, "What are you doing? It was finished." Very, very talented man. All right, what else we got now? Because that 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 the. He's out of my price range, the Terry Redland. All right, so kind of along those same lines, um, we, two summer before last, we stumbled upon a collection of art, print art, in Wisconsin, and were able to obtain a, a great number of Terry Redlands, and some David Mosses. And we have a whole section that's dedicated to Terry Redland, uh, reproduction mm -hmm. art, right? Not not necessarily this original, but reproduction art. But we also have some David Mosses in this sale that have been remarked. And for those who don't know what a remark is, it's where the artist takes uh, one of their prints and then down in one of the corners, they do a pencil. Sometimes it's done in color, uh, sketch. So you have a little teeny tiny piece of original art that's on the border of this print. And that jumps the value of uh, the prints tremendously because the artist has put something on it that makes it one of a kind. I have rarely seen a David Moss remark, but this gentleman that we acquired this art collection from, literally, he told me the story over lunch. He was buying every single print that David Moss was coming out with. He loaded up all of his prints and drove to Minnesota where Moss is and waited for him to come home and said, my name is Dr. So-and-so. I'm a big collector of your artwork. I would like to have it all remarked. And, and Moss, basically the story that this gentleman told me said, yes, you are. Come on, let's get it done. <laughs> So we have all of these prints that have been remarked, and we're selling a couple of um, a couple of them that are individuals. But we have one that's a collection, uh, which are four in the collection. It's pheasants, ducks, um, grouse, and uh, mallards, pheasants, grouse, and wood ducks. And each one of them has a remark on it. And so I think that's one of the really um, another really neat piece that we have in there that has a. A, a cool provenance to it in that how these things got remarked. It's called the Misty Morning Collection. And uh, so that's kind of cool if you stay up inside of that kind of that art vein. So y'all are it. selling all four um, at once or y'all selling them separate? No, we're selling all four of these at once because they were they were published by Moss as a collection. So this is another 15 uh, we to all, 25. We have another collection. And then we have some individual Mosses that are remarked, um, that have been, you know, they've been framed out to where the board, the amount of it cuts out where you can see the remark. And really in my mind, when you buy a remark, you are be buying a reproduction piece, but there's a little tiny original in there that that artist did that makes it one of what, a kind. What, what's the going on this probably 15 to 25,000? No. Um, I would, I bet you, We'll probably start the bidding on those four pieces at a thousand dollars. I bet it goes over ten. Uh, it could, but I I think that's a good starting place yeah. for it. 
Yeah, let people let people. And it. and I'm really interested to see how people react to these Moss remarks because there's just not a lot of them. I'd out give there. 2,500 for them right now. <clears throat> so how does it work? How do they, how do they do the remark? They just they extend this border on the bottom. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, they so they do it when the print is not framed, right. and so both they'll get the margin and they'll draw the picture, and then when you have it framed, the framer Goes cuts right. out the the mat to make sure that the remark is included. I got you. That makes that makes sense. And it, it adds greatly to the to the value of the print. Yeah, those are really 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 neat. Yeah, I like, I like that. My, I, I think my favorite item. That I've sold two of these. Now, this will make the second one I've sold. My favorite item in the entire auction is the 1959 colorized version of King Buck, uh, which that was, the, that was the first federal duck stamp that had a dog in it. It's the Labrador holding the mallard in its mouth. Everybody has seen it because it's been reproduced on license plates and coffee mugs. It's a really, really, really popular federal duck stamp. And it was done by Maynard Grease, and he was chosen – three or four times for the, for the federal stamp and, and a lot of state stamps. But what artists would do is they would run the first edition, which is generally the most valuable of any federal duck stamp out there when they did more than one edition, they'd run, you know, 300 of them. And uh, if they sold, then they would go to a second edition. And for collectors, the second edition isn't quite as valuable as the first. Well, in this year in 59, Reese ran three editions, and that was a lot back then to do three editions. Well, he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to run a fourth edition, but we're not calling it that. We're calling it the colorized. Mm -hmm. So he ran 90 prints of that original King Buck print, and he hand-colored all of them. So there's only 90 of these things in existence of one of the most popular uh, federal duck stamp and prints there's ever been because of what the of what the image is of the, the black lab holding the mallard. We sold one in our first auction. And I think we sold it for around 10 or $12,000. We had one donated. I couldn't believe it when we opened it. I said, <laughs> I cannot believe that I have now two of these 90 from the 1950s has come through this office. So we're offering number 75 out of 90 on this one. And I love it. If, if I had the money, I would buy it and look at it every single morning when I woke up because of the significance of that being the first one that really had hunting in it with that Labrador holding the dead Drake Mallard. That would be a cool, cool gift. A wife out there that's got some money and her husband's hard to buy for, he's a waterfowl hunter, this gift right here will set you apart from the other ladies at the country club. <laughs> without telling you right now now if he's not a hunter he don't get it he wouldn't appreciate it but anybody that's a hunter if you like me and you want to buy this gift for us i will be more than happy to put it up in my office up here and <laughs> let everybody know you bought it for me you can look yeah you can uh you can have a little plaque above it uh, that one that this one here will go more than will go more than the uh, moss ones i think will i think this is a twenty thousand dollar print easy yeah it will it's it's just there's so few of them um, and, and really, that's what makes something valuable, right? If there's 19,000 of them out there, the price is low. If there's 90 and it's from the 1950s and it has that significance to waterfowl hunting and our heritage, um, it'll it'll do well. That's amazing. And I just love 
it's my fa- it's my favorite piece in there. This it's got to be such a cool experience. Like when you get the box in, you're like, all right, let's see what we got today. Flip the old knife out and cut her open. You're like, oh man, it's Christmas morning <laughs> every all year it, long. It is Christmas, and it's really Christmas morning with the firearms. Yeah, um, because so many of for for our aging volunteers. Um, who who want to donate back to Ducks Unlimited? So many are donating back their guns of the year that they bought in the '70s and '80s, mm-hmm. and that's really really cool for me to open a gun case and see a gun of the year that made all this money for Ducks Unlimited back in 1976 when I was six years old. I've been duck hunting for one year at that point. And now at this point in my life to be taking that firearm, which most of them are in pristine condition because they were never shot mm-hmm. and putting it back on auction uh, to raise more money for the organization and somebody be able to collect something that'll mean as much to them as it did to the first person who's had it for the past 45, 46, 47 years. There's just something special about that. And we have a lot of, we might have more, shotguns of the year than we've ever had in one of these sales. We we have over 60 firearms, and I believe over 45 of them are shotguns of the year. And, and that isn't um, really, or guns of the year. In 2012, we started adding rifles and handguns to that. But there, there aren't any duplicates. Like those are all individual years that are going to be sold. So uh, including the, the big one that Everybody wants, which is the 50th anniversary Browning Auto Five um, that ran in 1987, and it's 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 still the granddaddy of them all when we put it up for auction. Everybody wants this it one. A, everybody wants one. It's a beautiful gun. Um, I I shoot some Brownings just the way that my shoulders are built. Auto Fives have never fit me well mm-hmm. uh, in how you look down that barrel, but um, hell, I wouldn't mind owning one if I could afford it just because of how gorgeous the engraving is on it. I love an old humpback gun. I mean, you know, I, I've, I've only shot a handful of them, but like whenever you see like an old one that's been through it, you're like, yeah. Well, here's your chance to get one. Nah, yeah, that's too pretty, Jeff. Too, okay. pre- too, too pretty for yeah. my uh, working man. But the engravings on it are gorgeous. What, what's the, yeah, um, what out of the box items do you have this year in the vault? Like, out of the box, meaning well, y'all brand had a, new. Y'all had a Don Knotts autographed picture a couple years ago. <laughs> oh, outside the box, I've got you. Uh, well, we have whoever the 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 gentleman who drew the Pink Panther. We have oh, wow. uh, the We have an autographed Pink Panther drawing. Uh, Tigger and Pooh, <laughs> the artist that did Tigger and Pooh. We have that. Here's something really cool. Michael Martin Murphy who was the country artist. He did he did the song Wildfire. That was that smash hit, uh, I guess back in the 80s. Um, he, we have a signed guitar from Michael Martin Murphy, and he has written all of the words to Wildfire around the face of the guitar. That's cool. That's kind of cool. Um, we have a full collection of Buffalo Trace antique bourbons. Ooh. That are worth about eleven thousand dollars. We have a actually, and we are going to whoever buys that, 
we are going to put somebody on a plane. We're going to put all of those in a, in a hard case, put somebody on a plane and hand deliver it to the buyer before December the 23rd in case it's a Christmas present uh, because you can't ship uh, bourbon <laughs> legally um, if you're not a distributor. So we are going to hand deliver that item to whoever buys that's, it. That's really, really cool. And what was it again? The buff is the Buffalo Trace what? Antiques. Oh. Yeah, it's called the Buffalo Tra- Buffalo Trace Full Antique Collection. Um, I think they call it BTAC is the word for it. And it has let's see, Eagle Rare 17, the Sazerac Rye 18, Thomas, a bottle of Thomas Handy, um, a bottle of Weller, and then a bottle of uh, George T. Stack. Ooh, I'll be watching that one. So the, just the, to see what it goes for. The Pink Panther was that guy's name LeBlanc? Is that the guy that wrote done the Pink Panther? I think you're right. I know so much useless knowledge. I'm trying to find. Oh, here it here it is. Pink Panther. No, it's Frizz Freeland. Yeah, I would have lost that bet. I was thinking it was LeBlanc or something. Frizz Freelig. See, stuff like that really, stuff like that interests me because it's so completely different. Like, I would have been all over the Don Knotts deal. (laughs) We, um, yeah, didn't you bid on the Don Knotts picture? (laughs) It went really expensive. Yeah, it went really expensive. Let me tell you what, my wife and me were at auction. Someone auctioned off a damn yellow, uh, Hand carved yellow rubber duck looking deal. Not even look like a duck. Look like a yellow duck. And I was in on that pretty high, and it went for like high dollar shit, and I couldn't believe it. But people, all it takes is all it takes is two people. Yeah, well, <laughs> this one this one got out under a thousand, but I was that was my cutoff, and I was like, I don't care how happy that'd make you be to have that in your house. We ain't getting that. But it's just crazy. <laughs> it's crazy what people pay for stuff. You ought to put the damn. Uh, What's the, the the warthog behind you? You ought to put that up for auction. It is. That's I know. That's a great looking animal though. I every time I every time you're on here, I'm thinking I need a warthog in the lodge. I get rid of that. Nope, not that one. <laughs> I went too far to shoot that one, and that one. Blew. Yeah, it did. It was number one ten in the world, so that one's going to stay that's right a here. Beautiful animal. Did you know they're shooting him in South Texas now? I did. I did know. Yeah, that. and they're getting more and more. There, I mean, there people are seeing a lot more of them now. So, see there, Jeff. Maybe one day you'll have your opportunity. They just got to keep coming north a little bit. I would shoot one of them. I'm not gonna lie. I wouldn't go across the road to shoot a wild pig, but I would shoot a warthog in a second. They're delicious. We we had some of that animal two nights after I shot it, and it was fantastic. Okay. The animals over there do not taste like ours. Uh, they are very fortunate and I, and I don't know why I can't explain why. Um, but, and everything had a different taste to it and they use every single bit of that animal and what isn't used by your hunting group is taken to market. And it's a, it, you know, it's a fantastic, their conservation ethic in South Africa, which is where that animal was taken. Uh, it's just astonishing. That's that's like the elephant. That's what everybody always bitches when an elephant gets shot. And they're like, oh, killing a poor, helpless. You don't realize how much a community th- uh, appreciates that elephant. They eat it. It pay, All them hunting dollars pay for books for schools, pays for teachers at school. They need that kind of stuff. You know what? And, and it, 
Same thing with the dove and ducks in Argentina. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no telling how many people get fed with dove in Argentina. And we had a guy. We had yeah. a guy here just that left the other day that was in Argentina, and I, I I swear he told me he shot forty cases of shotgun shells while he was there. I don't even know how he could pick his arm up. Well, they have the clubs. I've never done it. I've, I've been down there to shoot ducks. I've never done the high volume dove, but I know that they have the what is it, the ten thousand bird mm-hmm. club and and all of that. And I could I could see where you'd have to run through a bunch of them. Can you imagine your shell bill after you leave? That's why they want you. <laughs> out I'd have to be washing dishes. I'd be a bird boy. Is what I'd be. Who's the fat white guy? Oh, he's the bird boy. Couldn't pay for his shotgun shells, so he's working it off for two years. What did the warthog taste like? Was it similar to pork, or was it not even in the same ballpark? It was, it was, it was similar, but it had a really sweet taste mm-hmm. to it, uh, and and uh, it was it was fantastic. They did, and you know they pulled the loin out of it, and um, and then some of that could have been the marinade, but uh, everything it was just milder over there. To me, it was every except for that wildebeest. It wasn't mild, but uh, but everything just had a milder taste. You ate it. some of the wildebeest, also. Was, we ate a little bit of everything that we shot. Ooh. Uh, I don't know if I'd have a strong hankering to try the wildebeest, but I guess I mean they're just eating it, grass, it don't they? Well, it wasn't terrible. It's a cow. Yeah, I mean, yeah you're right. Yeah, they just kind of eat out on the plains and stuff, right? All grass eaters, even the even the uh, warthog. I guess the tusker just for defense, maybe. Uh, defense and digging. Huh. I don't know. Pumbaa might have eaten a few worms. Yeah. yeah, you know, maybe that was the sweet taste that you got. That was the that's why it was uh, the sweeter. It was the grub worms. Well, I mean, cranes eat worms and they taste delicious. Yeah, I mean, turkeys turkeys will eat bugs and stuff during during spring, so. Eat a lot of crickets. Yeah, I just gotta, I just gotta open my mind a little bit and try these things. What else did y'all kill over there? I'm hunting uh, impalas and nialas and uh, kudu, <clears throat> and I shot a jackal. A jackal, and we didn't eat the jackal. No, I will say we did jackal. Um, and blessed buck and. I can't remember. Those are all the ones that I was fortunate enough to. And what? Which one of those animals tasted the best? Was it the warthog? It was the impala. The impala. The impala. It was to me the impala was like a almost like a mix between venison and chicken. It was a real light color. I asked for that more than one night. We had it one night, and I asked if we could we could have it than that. So how does that work? They just, they clean out all the animals and then can you take like what you want while you're there or, or do you just get it for one night and then they just, uh, you could pretty much ask for what you wanted. Um, I was not in one of these, when I went, it wasn't one of these real high volume operations. So I was actually staying in a home with the family, um, who in hunting wasn't their full time deal. This was, we had, met this family through a friend of my father-in-law's and um, but they also owned one of their family businesses was meat markets. And so they had a processing facility and then, you know, they would, you would come in at night and if anything had been shot, they would process all the game 
and hang it in a, a cooling uh, building. And then they called it the vet, short for veterinarian, would come out the day before we left and they would stamp all the meat qualified to be sold at market. So all of our animals were and were hanging and, it, you know, what would you like to try tonight? They would go out into the cooling house and cut that piece of meat off that animal and then you were able to eat it. And what we didn't eat, which was the vast majority of it, uh, they were able to make and sell at retail inside of their locations. What uh, did you feel safe the whole time you were over there? Uh, when I got to that property, I did. I never felt I never really felt unsafe. Yeah. It, it, you know, flying to Johannesburg and you go and stay in a safe house before you take your flight the next day, um, you're, you're behind razor wire. Um, but I live in Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, I have friends that live in Detroit, right. right? I mean, like, like their city, and I say that in that their cities are kind of like our cities here in that. You know, anywhere you get a large population, there's going to be crime. But when when I got out into the countryside, it felt a lot like Texas. But I will tell you that um, you had to have situational awareness when you were off property. But I felt that way in Jamaica. Yeah, right. Yeah. my I felt that way in parts of Argentina. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I feel that way sometimes when I go to Houston. So it's, you know, I don't, I just, I think it's, it just is what it is. My, my wife really, really wants to go to Jamaica and I just, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to go there. My experience there is that if you get inside of your resort, then everything is great. Yeah. But, and if they go from the airport to the resort, you know, if you walk into town is where you, you know, kind of need to have your wallet in your front pocket. Yeah. We went to St. Lucia and it was kind of that way. Luckily, um, we hired somebody to get us through. It was, it was 2020 and like COVID, COVID, no, it was 2021. Anyway, COVID, they were still, they were deathly afraid of COVID and there were a lot of hoops you had to jump through and kind of a little bit of money might exchange hands, hands here and there. But we actually hired a service that met us as soon as we got off the plane because you get off the plane, you walk on the tarmac into the into the airport, and uh, they had our name on a placard, and like they walked us through every bit of okay, you got to show this here, you got to show your negative test here, you got to do this here, otherwise I would have been lost, and I I don't yeah. think on my feet very well. It- we had to have that in Africa. I mean, it was there was a concierge service that when you got off the plane, especially for checking your guns right, in. Right. Uh, I mean, did they just walked you right through the steps and took us to the to the uh, the safe house and um, and then the next day took us back to the airport. We got on the plane when we landed in New London. Uh, then the PHs were there and they took us through getting the guns checked in there. But going to Argentina, it was just like getting off the plane if you fly anywhere. Um, and, you know, they were there. The people from the place were there to pick us up with a – we got on a little bus and went. So. We recently got back from but Canada, we were, and U.S. Customs was in the Canadian airport this time. I've never seen that before. In Calgary. In Calgary. 
Not yeah, really. we landed at Atlanta. It was no different landing from Dallas to Atlanta. You we just were just right at the regular airport. Huh. But, but that made it easier. Yeah, it made, right? it, yes. it made it a lot easier. It, it kind of, um, we weren't expecting it. Luckily, we had enough, we got there early enough, but we were not expecting to go through uh, like a second customs before we got onto the plane, but we had time, so it wasn't a big deal. But I could see where if like you were a little pressed for time, it might be a little bit nerve wracking, but. We were okay. But yeah, once we landed in Atlanta, you just walk off the plane and you're right there. Oh, that's great. So I haven't been I haven't been to Canada since before COVID, so I haven't experienced any of that. It's we had of, we had a good time at yeah, getting back to normal, I guess, as much as they can under, you know, Trudeau. For whatever that is. So what else do we got on Into the Vault? I got a couple more pictures here. Oh, uh, I, I think I sent one of just a really interesting piece of artwork. It's not particularly high valued. Um, it's, and I think you're probably looking at it. It's a, it looks like a picture of a caribou. Mm -hmm. Yep. Everything that is caribou hair. Really? Yep. So it, 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 and it, it looks almost stone, right? And then the, the hair kind of frills out at the bottom. Everything in that is caribou hair. Uh, Teresa, I think her last name is Wildy. I, nobody's ever heard of her. Um, she lives in Winnipeg, and this is the art that she specializes in. So I just kind of shared that as an interesting – I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen somebody have something that looks like uh, chiseled marble or stone that's actually all caribou hair. Yeah, when – that's Whenever you neat. sent the email, this is like my first time seeing it like blown up on a computer screen, but I just kind of scrolled through it on my phone. I was like, why the hell is he sending me a picture of a caribou? And now it makes sense. It's all, yeah, all that hair. Is, that is gorgeous. Well, how the hell do you even do that? I have no, I, tr I found one article about her and cause I, I try to research all of the original art that yeah. we have. Uh, all the original artists. And I found one little article about how her artwork was be being given to the queen of England when she came through Winnipeg. And they talked just a little bit about this being um, kind of a family tradition uh, in what uh, they've done. And that's all I was able to find. That's got to take, but that's all care that she, I guess, bleaches and then forms together to make it hard and then leaves it loose at the bottom of it. Really cool. That's got to take forever. That is very, very that is a very interesting piece. And then uh, what the the next one I'm looking at, Iowa first state stamp. Oh yeah, yeah. So that is the holy grail of first of state collectors, and and first of state stamp and prints. Your state waterfowl stamps hold a much higher value of any other year that a state will issue just because it was the first and most, most of them, there weren't many made plenty of stamps made, but only so many prints. Iowa was number two in 1973. California was the first Iowa was number two and they only made 300 of those prints. And it's very, very difficult to find them. And so again, for us, uh, uh, a, um, a uh, first of state collector. We have the Holy Grail. We have an Iowa, <laughs> and ironically, it's by yeah. Maynard Reese, the same, the same gentleman that did uh, the King Buck. Uh, so that's it's rare to it's that's the only one I've ever sold. So it's really rare to have one of these, and this one is remarked mm -hmm. as well. It's a first edition. 
it's Remark and it's Iowa's first of state. So that is really, really cool. Yeah. And then the pictures that he drew down at the bottom. Yep. The Remark. And I apologize. 500 of these were made, not 300. I think California was 300. This was 500 uh, on the first edition and this was number 26. So this back then it was, you know, a big deal of how early your prints came off the line because this was before everything was digitized and the earlier the number, the brighter the print. That's why you'll see some people um, will say, well, what, what print number is it? Today, it doesn't matter. Everything's digitized. They all look exactly the same. Um, so much of the GK the G clay process of spraying down either onto paper or canvas keeps them all the same. Used to be the earlier were the better, and especially the artist proofs, because those are the ones that came off first, and the artist would pull them aside put them under a magnifying glass to make sure the colors were representing what that artist painted. And so the artist proof had even a higher value of just a lower number of prints. So it means something for a print that was done in 1972. And this is number 26 of 500. 26 of 500, that would be considered a low print number. So what would they do whenever the quality got to be where it wasn't what the artist had in, envisioned? Uh, they would stop the press and go and refill the machine or recalibrate or whatever they did and then start it over again. But you never knew when oh, that would happen. Right. So it, that's not, that's not, I'm sure with just running 500, <laughs> I imagine that they didn't run right. out of ink, but let's say started back over at 411. Yeah. Well, there's no knowing that, but you're guaranteed that low print number on that run would have it there. And again, with artist proof being that they, they, they would call them the AP issue. Those, those were even brighter in theory, uh, more perfect in color in theory than just the low number. Do, do any States still do the, the separate stamp? Because like in Texas, we got to have a stamp, but it's just, it's on our license that we have the stamp. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think where mine are. They're in my gun and bag. Well, here's one right here from earlier. This is Minnesota oh, okay. from when I hunted. I shot the uh, TV show in Minnesota earlier this year. They still issue a stamp. Now, I think what's on your phone or just what's on your piece of paper will do, but some of them still send them out. Arkansas, I know, still sends them out. Tennessee does not. So I don't have a stamp for Tennessee. I have one this year for Arkansas, and I had one for Minnesota. See, Texas, I don't think, gives them out. They ne did they never do it? Yeah, they used to. I, I used to have to sign a state and a federal, and it was on your license, and it had to be signed. And I don't – Texas is just a state waterfowl endorsement, but from tight asses in Austin, I don't think really pass – I think you can get one if you ask. Where would you put it? Because on the license now, there's a spot for your federal stamp, but – I mean, I'm going to look and see because I got my I license mean, did they have, right here. Did they have a separate – it used to be just a bigger license. Here's what I do. I've got my Fed, and then I've got Arkansas on the backs. I, I did them together. I put them in my phone case and put my phone in it because I know that is never going to be out of my pocket. Right. We, uh, this, <laughs> the state of Texas just has a place for your federal stamp. They don't have a a place for your state stamp anymore. No, I know that. I know but, that. But I was asking a long time ago when they yes, did. you had both. There was a, a spot for both. Yes. 
Yeah, because now that's just the federal stamp is all that goes on the. I'm gonna look and see if you can even get it, if if there is an actual Texas duck stamp anymore. It might just be the endorsement. I think that it is. I don't think that they. Is the endorsement in Texas, and next year they have the electronic federal stamp. Oh, really? So they're not gonna make it no more either. So everything, everything can be on your phone. I don't know that I like that. There, there's history that we're losing the more and more we get reliant on our phone. Well, I don't think they're doing away with it. I just think you don't have to carry it with you, and what's on your phone will prove that you had one. But I'm like Andy, though. What will happen is the same as Texas. When we went to the waterfowl endorsements, I don't think Texas has an actual duck stamp anymore that a lot of a lot of states do. They just got an endorsement. I do not know if there's an actual stamp every year that you can get. It's a collector's item. I'm trying to look it up, and I can't find one. So I'm going to bet you within the next 10 to 15 years, you will not see a federal duck stamp anymore. That's sad. Hopefully not. Hopefully hopefully we hold on to that. But it is handy. Like, I've got an app for Texas, and it's just, if anybody ever checks, like, I've got everything right there. I've got mine and my son. So, like, I've got the whole family on this app, and I just, you know, right. ask, okay. Right. It makes it makes it easier. Um I don't think you'll see the federal stamp and prints going away because so many people right. collect them. Now, this I don't know. I will tell you that the I'm trying to look too to see if there's a 2023 Texas stamp and print, and I can't find it. But I will tell you that the value of those diminished greatly as the years grew because people had no place to put them on their walls. Yeah, I went to dinner at somebody's house one time, and they had like 47 state stamps on their wall. Wasn't even no place for shit. It was all, it was all pictures yep. and a little bit of wall. And I'm well. Look at your look behind you. Where are you going to put a new print? If someone gave you a big nice print, where are you going to put it at? <laughs> Move some stuff. Yeah, down. that's. I'm gonna put it in my my. I've got a damn big ass lodge. I put crap in, and I ain't got room for nothing else hardly at all. And that's nothing. Look at this wall. It gets even yeah, worse. That's the way, but that's the way ours look. That's the way it's supposed to look, though. But you know what? When someone walk, well, you work at Ducks Unlimited, so they know you like ducks. But if I go in a doctor's office or anybody's office and they got waterfowl on the wall, it's an automatic talking piece. To you know, it's a conversation starter. So all of I was talking about all of those prints we bought out of Wisconsin, all the Redlands, and all of the re, uh, the moss that were remarked. Um, it was more than 200 and this this gentleman um, who offered them to us at an incredibly fair price so we can turn them and raise some money for conservation was a hand doctor, a well-known hand doctor, and he had several different offices in the area, and all of this art hung in his offices. And I actually asked him at lunch, I said, um, I bet you knew when a uh, somebody who loved to hunt or fish came in and he said, oh, the conversation started up immediately, which in that part of the world, there's a lot of people who hunt and fit. And um, so I thought that was pretty cool that all these hand specialist doctor's office were filled with grouse and ducks. And I mean, and Moss does more than just ducks. We just see his duck stuff. I mean, there were walleye and all kind of stuff. So it was pretty cool. What a cool life. Have you heard hey, who? So we'll switch to waterfowl hunt real quick. Have you heard uh, where? Where's the hot spot right now? Where are people uh, having a lot of luck? I have heard Missouri is doing well. That put that early right. push and then getting 
warm. Seems like it kind of stopped yeah. it. Uh, I know that some of my compadres up in the Wisconsin and Minnesota area did well uh, a week ago, week to 10 days ago. Uh, I, I, it's my understanding that uh, that Kansas um, corridor, Nebraska, we're seeing a lot of ducks. Now, everybody's warm right. now, right? Like we're all uh, it's warm all the way to the Canada border, but that early cold pushed a lot of birds down and those mid latitude um, areas did really well with them. Um, I know that for us, uh, uh, we open uh, Saturday, uh, but our spec season, is, our early spec season has come and gone. And the number of specs that I saw in Arkansas is more than however long they've had a spec season. I don't know, 15 right. years. Uh, and it was due to that really cold push that they had. So that was that yeah. was neat. I, I'm interested to see what we see Saturday because it's just so warm with no wind and it's dry. But so what opens in your area Saturday? Regular duck? Regular duck, duck does? Uh, duck and spec, it all, it all comes in Saturday. <clears throat> yeah, one of our uh, guides, he lives in Nebraska, and he, he sent me uh, Snapchats and everything, and he's like, we've got more ducks now than I've ever seen this time of year. And I think that's where they are. They're just hung up on that that mid-latitude. You know, I, I'm, I've no doubt the mallards pop back right. up north. Some of them maybe even didn't leave. But I think a lot of the gray and brown ducks, when, when they had that severe um, temperature drop and that snow hit, I think they said, yeah. we're out. And I can't get I can't get any reports out of uh, most of the people I know in southern Louisiana because they're so dry. Um, some of them aren't even hunting right now. I, I just saw I I just Which looked is, up the weather because I'm well I keep up with weather pretty much anyways. But the high in Minot, North Dakota is going to be 20 degrees on Thanksgiving and on Friday. That's going to be our next big major cold front, and that's going to sure push a lot of those ducks down. But yeah, I've talked to Blake in Nebraska said the same thing. We've had a tremendous opener here for us. We're shooting a ton of geese. We've shot some ducks. But you can tell our birds are going to need some refreshment because we've had zero wind. I've never seen us have this kind of no wind at all for a week straight. I mean, none. And it was 95. It was funny. We had snow flurries the day or two before Halloween, so October 28th, 29th weekend. We had snow flurries, and we were the highs in the mid-30s here. It was cold. It got down to 24 degrees one day. I mean, it wiped out the cotton crop and everything that was down here. Then we warmed up, and we were 95 degrees a couple of Wednesdays ago. Mm-hmm. And then now we're back to more normal temperature. I think it's 62 or 63 today, which is more normal. And then this weekend we're supposed to be in the 50s, I think, again. And then we're supposed to get cold too. But we are definitely going to need some weather. But <clears throat> I've talked to some guys in Oklahoma, and their goose hunting is not very good right now from what I understand. There's a couple of pockets of birds, but overall they're they're struggling for birds big time. Hmm. I would have figured they'd have they'd have been in good shape with everything that, that happened, but maybe they just didn't get. They got yet. ducks, but everybody's telling me the geese are real spotty in Oklahoma right now. Hmm. But but they have some hmm. they have some ducks in some places. We don't have a lot of water here, and and we and we do have some water, but we've had a lot of geese, but we don't have a lot of ducks. We we killed some ducks in the field some mornings. It wasn't unusual. A couple of times we saw a lot of ducks, but. 
I'm understanding from around southwest Oklahoma is there's a lot of ducks, but not very many geese. Yeah, that next one. Next Wednesday, high 24 in Minot. Then 19, low of 8. That's the next one. And that'll help. That's the next one. That'll help push us. And they're calling for a really violent, horrible spring tornadoes and bad storms all spring long. <clears throat> which excites me as a storm chaser, and we need that for the water and stuff here. Yeah, normally it's been my experience that a that a, a really violent spring follows a really cold winter. Ooh, I hope you're right. The 16 years I've lived in this tornado alley over here, which isn't like quite like what yeah. y'all have, but um, that's been my experience. I have uh, so I hope I have hunted in a t-shirt, more short sleeve t-shirt than I have uh, put on a hoodie this year, and we're twelve days in, thirteen days, and I mean, I just wear I wear a short sleeve shirt and maybe throw on just something light to set up decoys in, but then, I mean by the time you walk around and kind of get everything set up and then start blowing on your call, I mean it's time to shed some layers. I went. I'm not a big yeah. deer hunter, but I'll go if I get really, really bored. I was growing up. I think I just got my fill when yeah. I was younger. I went and sat in a stand Saturday, and I didn't want to scare my ducks. <laughs> so I, I did one of those. Well, I'll walk that mile and a half to that tree stand. I'll slip in there on them. And it was cooler. It was, you know, those mid to high 40s. So you needed something yeah. on to go do a four or five-hour sit. Then I did that long walk, and I kind of forgot what um, what deer overalls, how quick you can work up um, a sweat. I was miserable for about the, the first hour, and just taking clothes off, trying to let the cool air get in on you. I, I, I've been so taking a I've been taking a cold shower every morning when I wake up. I've heard that it's a great way. It's like better than a cup of coffee. You hear all these health benefits of the cold plant. It's kind of an in thing to do. So 3.30 every morning, my alarm goes off. I take my groggy ass into the shower. I turn it on hot for just a second, just because I, I can't bear to just go from that to cold water. So it's hot water for a minute and then straight over to cold. So I don't know if that's, if that's like kind of why I've been overheating because my body's like still warming up or something, or if it's just because it's, it's not cold. 50 to 50 degrees. So it's going to be interesting to see when it does get cold. You and Jimbo Robinson. Jimbo Robinson is the same really? way. That boy cannot duck hunting if he doesn't take a shower. And now I don't know if he's taking a cold yeah. shower, but it is. He has to get up and take a shower. He said his hunt, his hunt isn't right if he doesn't wake up and take that shower. I, I, I agree with him. I don't know what it is. Like there's been a couple mornings that I've skipped and it's felt like, uh, I don't know, kind of anarchy a little bit. If that, you're if just that out of you're out of sync. Well, I guess, but like this is the first year I've done that. Like most of the time, I just take a shower, you know, after my hunt or at night or whatever, and then I'm good until the next day. But this is the first year that I've gone into the shower. But I'm with him. Like I feel, I don't know, like something's done already. You're revigorated. Ta- task is finished, so I can go on and do whatever else. But cold shower wake you up. Well. If it makes you, if it makes you hunt I better, it's kind of like a baseball player. They said Patrick Mahomes just came out and said he wears yeah. the same pair of underwear for every Chiefs game that he's ever played in. 
Well, as long as they wash them in between, it's well, okay. Exactly, but you know, us waterfowlers, you know, we're 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 a little streaky, kind of like baseball players. You we think gotta, his, you think we got to have good luck on our side? You think his wife washes his clothes? Nope. Or you think she has somebody? Not a shot. Not as not as I bet she doesn't wash his game no, underwear. No, 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 no. She don't touch nothing. that has got a chief on it. You don't do that to somebody you love. Make nope. them make them wash those nasty drawers. So a coach has to do. Coach it. Coach has to do it. Somebody gets paid to do it. That's that's right. I wouldn't do it to Jesse. We just had a pro baseball player leave here, and it was interesting listening to his story of just the, the way things are on the road and how much money they spend on meals and stuff. It's cool. It's, what a lifestyle! Just a completely different lifestyle than us so poor he boys. Was, he was in the bigs. He was a mm-hmm. yeah. He just he pitched in the All Star game. Played in the All Star game. Great guy. Probably oh, okay. one of okay. the most enjoyable celebrities that I've ever been around. Bryce Elder, great guy, pitches for the Braves, hung out with us for a couple of days, went scouting with us. But he was one of the guys. I mean, he was mm-hmm. as enjoyable a person. His parents should be really proud. They raised a hell of a young man. But he was talking about some of those team meals, like teacher salaries on a meal. Hmm. Lots of money. But when you got a lot, you can spend it. Yeah, well, and you're making a lot, mm-hmm. I guess. But you know, he's nicer. He's nicer because he's an Atlanta Brave. <laughs> he is a super, super nice man too. I mean, just a really good person. One that you'd be proud. If you, if I had a daughter and she brings somebody home like him, I would really like that. He was just a nice guy. Whether he was a baseball player, or if he would have been a, a trash guy, a trash man, he just was a good person. But I was really enjoying him. He was very humble and just down to earth. He did say the worst fans in baseball are Phillies. Phillies fans. Yeah, Phillies are terrible. They're terrible sports fans. They're just all into it. But he just—he was—he's was just a good guy. He's one of the guys. But most baseball players I've been around have been that way because they got to work their way up through the minors mm-hmm. to the majors. Where most NFL guys I've been around, they're either superstars or they're guys have busted their ass. But they just—they've been catered to since they were in junior high. I mean, they've been getting their ass kissed since they were in seventh grade playing football, and you can tell where baseball players, it's completely different. But Oh, well, somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to throw a high, hard one. Might as well be him. He's a good kid, though. It was a lot of fun. <coughs> so Monday is the day, right? Monday is the day. It's uh, 11 o'clock Eastern Monday morning. We'll turn it on. I do have something special for y'all and your Let's audience. If somebody wants to preview it, and there's not a lot of people being offered this opportunity, mm-hmm. uh, bighonkeritv.com Big. gets you into the site. You can't bid, look. but you, you can go and look around. 600 is a lot of items to go yeah. and look at. Bighonkeritv.com. So, Yep, into the okay. vault. Makes sense. So, conqueritv.com will get you to the site. We'll, we will be building it. We'll be adding items um, all the way up until uh, it starts on Monday. So, don't go look at it today and go, <laughs> I don't see anything I like. You still want to go back next week. Uh, but we thought it would be nice to give people, especially people we think will have a high interest in looking at these items. Uh, an opportunity maybe over the weekend if you're in a tree stand or if you're on a bad duck or goose <laughs> hunt, you can get on your phone and 
uh, and go look at all the different categories and, and see where we have our starting bid set and uh, maybe just give a little extra thought about buying that 17 foot beaver tail brand new boat and surface drive motor that was donated to us from a dealer out of Iowa. That's an item we didn't mention. We have a brand new uh, boat and motor package and trailer. How the hell do you keep this stuff? You just got a warehouse full of, I mean, now you got a beaver tail that you got to. That's out in the parking lot right now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been, it's been sitting in the parking lot since it was delivered, I believe in August. <laughs> and they went and did some promotional videos with it. So it has, it has been um, out in a swamp for some of the videos that, uh, we're using to promote the the auction, but it's brand spanking new. I think the dealer um, was having a hard time selling it and wanted to support Ducks Unlimited and said, here, take it and go make some money. With God cool. dang it. I seen something I want already. Fudge. <laughs> Man. What is it? Tell me what the it is. The 1973 Remington Model 1100. Oh. I that was my first game. I the first gun I shot as a kid growing up, or the first gun I used exclusively waterfowl hunting when I was a kid. So that is a replica of the gun of the year. The first gun of the year was an, was a eleven hundred. The Remington did five hundred for DU with special serial numbers. It did so well in our events. We sold out so quick in 73. Remington said, hey, can we go sell some of these at retail? And we wanted to look just like that gun. DU said, absolutely. It's it, it, This was one of the first branding things that DU ever did. Um, so it's a great gun. It's one of those old, original, real American-made Remingtons, but it's not the gun of the year. It's a replica of it. I, I don't think that makes a difference for you, but it is a neat no, gun. No, because I would shoot it because my grandfather, when he passed away, when he retired from General Motors in 1976, the guys that worked with him gave him an 1100. Never shot it. It was in a box. And when he passed away, he gave that to me. And my cousin's worthless-ass boyfriend husband at the time stole the gun before I ever got it. And oh, I didn't, shit. I didn't raise a bunch of hell because you know funerals are drama, a lot of drama, anyways. So I did not, say, I didn't yeah. do anything until I said something to my mom a year later, and she was mad. And I was like, "Listen, me and Tony could easily whip that guy's ass. More like Tony was gonna whip his ass at the funeral, <laughs> but it wouldn't have looked real good." And so I did not say nothing at the time because I didn't think it was the place. But I'm gonna buy me one of those guns to replace that gun one day. It'll never be that gun. But but I love those guns. I grew up. My dad had one. I've got an old one in here. But I'm gonna. I would. I would buy that. I, I, they're a cool gun. Well, scroll down. If you scroll down and you keep opening up, uh, show more. There is an 1100 Magnum. It's not a DU edition. Um, that was that came to us through an estate sale. Um. It's right there if you want it, Jeff. <laughs> I'm looking. There's a lot of stuff I like on here. I like that Canada Goose. It's from 1976. It's it's back in the heyday. It's from 76. Yeah, I'm gonna look. I'm a, so there you go. I, I, I am gonna look it so up. So you're that way about 1100s, the way I am about 870s. Yeah, just it mean it's got it's it means something to me, and they're fun guns to shoot, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna look into it. This 1973 Canada Goose by Madison Mitchell is really cool. It's really cool, I isn't like it? I like that a lot. Yeah, there's there's so much cool stuff in here. Well, now my weekend's made. 
Those guys better hope we don't have a slow hunter. I'm just going to be racking up ideas. You bought something last yeah, year, take too. Yeah, take your tablet. <clears throat> yeah, show everybody there. Yeah, I bought a, a Redling uh, sketch. I was sure hoping it was going to be my Redling. Christmas present last year, but it wasn't. No, nope, it's at my house. Jeff. I see it. I look, every time I go by, there's my Christmas present sitting right there on their <laughs> counter. You, you got money, Jeff. 1935 Mallard by Wildflower CC. Never heard of that before, but that is cool. 1935. So much cool stuff in here. That, that's very cool. I, I really, really appreciate you doing this for our for our listeners. That's very cool. They're gonna they're gonna enjoy that. Yeah, and I appreciate you having me on. And I am I am uh, excited. Everybody keeps asking me, Schusler, what's your special trip this year? What's your special trip this year? And uh, I keep telling them I'm going to Texas, and I'm hunting with Jeff and Andy and Big Honker and uh, Jimbo, and I can't wait. We are really excited to take our vacation days and come out there and um, get away for a little bit and be. Well, bring your appetite. Michelle is cooking wonderful meals, and we are going to have the best time. We're going to take care of you guys, and cannot wait for you to be here. Wish you a very, very happy Thanksgiving, my friend. Yes, sir. Same to y'all. God bless you and safe hunting. And we will yes, see sir, you. Soon. God bless you, my friend. See you. Bye. Can bye bye. BHPITV.com. BHP into the vault. ITV. There's your abbreviation. Dot com. You can get an early look at all of these items. I'm telling you what, there are some really, really, really cool stuff in here. I mean, and and it's <clears throat> there's stuff for everybody. Like, you know, of course there's the there's the uh the the bourbon collection that, you know going to go for a lot of money but i mean there's stuff in here for a hundred bucks 25 bucks there's bids for a dollar on some stuff so no matter what your price range is there's something in here for you there's golf trips hunting trips nascar trips there's all kinds of things go to it goes for a good cause folks go look at it go get an early little preview uh big honker itv.com and you can get an early look at some of these items and then bidding starts on monday so bid it up uh what else you got? That's it. Go home. Go take got your, your nap. new cell phone. Yep, got me a new phone. Look at you. Yep. You gonna put a case on this one? No, they didn't have any to buy. I understand. But it's insured, and if, if the front breaks, they come to you to fix it. Really? I said, does it take like two or three months? I said no, within a day or two. They come to you. To they fix come it. to uh, you to fix it. You don't mail nothing in. Do they come to you and fix it? Wow. Yep. Oh. Now we'll see how that case goes because when I break the motherfucker, we'll see what happens. But yeah. I'm gonna, um, I, yeah, I'm gonna fix to order me a case here in just a minute. 2005 Drake Hunter Barefoot's Bear by Jeff. Survey says Fleming, 25 bucks. There's, there's some cool. Well, that's the starting bid. No, I know. I want one of them 1100s though. I ought to go back and whip that guy's ass for stealing my. You game. ought to just do it, Jeff. No, I'm too old for that. Just get it over with. I actually was mature on that. You were very mature. It was awful hard though. I had a chance of, to run over him, too. He crossed the road in front of me, and I thought, eh, better not do that. So, very cool. Uh, we appreciate Ducks Unlimited uh, giving everybody a uh, sneak peek on this. So, Speaking of old codger, Steve Barber's here, so I'm going to go visit with him. Oh, did he walk in? Yep. <coughs> Peace, everybody. Have a great week. God bless you. Bye. Go check out all of our great sponsors. Go to the go to check out in the vault. Uh, bidding starts on Monday. You can get an early look. BigHonkerITV.com on uh, some of the items. Like you said, not all the items are on there, so don't freak out. We're also brought to you by Double T British Kennels, Mossberg, Stanfield Outfitters, Alpha Outdoor Specialties, Hemp Hill Farms, uh, Lucky Duck, Looking Glass Podcast, Shin Gear, Dirty Duck Coffee, Dive Bomb Industries, Pacific Calls, Boss Shop Shelves, and MLR Graphics.